0: 4, if you will, this morning. And uh, we're going to get into it and get going. Hopefully everybody's doing well. You braved the weather. And uh, over in California, the weather was uh, gale force winds, bunker hunker down. You know, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> you know, but uh, that is what it is. So, again, we're gl- good, glad to be home. And uh, we're going to continue our study entitled The Grace Reset. This morning we're going to look at you. The real you, if you will, and uh, we've started the study. Just kind of introduce it with everything that's going on in the world about us. Uh, we, uh, you know, I <laughs> I used the great reset. You guys understand what that is. We talked about that in the political game and the in the culture about us. But then I decided I borrowed Dad's term off of July's meeting of the grace reset, and just really kind of to reset our thinking just to kind of bring us back kind of the center uh, center place and just to look at some things here about God's grace and the wonderfulness of it and the, the tremendous blessings that we have to know it. Paul talks about that, that God entrusted his grace to us in that ministry. What a privilege we have to have that be the case and to understand that there's more to... Uh, life than just the day-to-day drums of it. And when we understand that and we see that, then we can appreciate everything that we have in Christ and we can move forward. So we started last time, or the week before. Uh, Keith filled in last week, did a great job and everything. I've watched it a couple times, critiqued and everything, so i no, just kidding. But the time before, the message, I did what saith the Scripture. And what I was after there with you just in remind is this isn't what Rick says. This isn't what Dr. So-and-so says. This is what does the Word of God say. What does does the Word say? What sayeth the Scripture? Romans 4, it sits on a placard above the door as you come in. As you're leaving, Galatians 2.20 reminds you that it's not I, but Christ. And they're there for a reason. As you're leaving, it also the other side says, I'm complete in him. There's a reminder of that as we go into day-to-day. So then what does the Scripture say about you? 2 Corinthians 4, and, and verse 16. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Notice that there are two parts to you. Come over to Ephesians 3. Ephesians 3. There is an outward man... And there is an inner man, an inward man. So you've got two, you're, you're made up, you, you've got some things here. Now the outward man and the inner man are going to be broad terms and terms that underneath are going to fit some some things. If you will, look at Ephesians 3 and verse 16. That he would, and the he there is is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, To be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. So we've got an inner man, okay, and we got an outer man, an inny and an outer. Outward. And you got an inner. Come back with me to Proverbs, just so you. We always get blamed that we only use Paul. Well, look at Proverbs. Here's your non-pauline verse this morning. Proverbs 4 and look if you will at verse 23. He says, "Keep the heart, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life." Out of out of what? Out of the inner man, out of the heart are what? The issues of life. Chapter 23 verse 7 says, "For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. So we've got an inner man and we've got an outer man. And what the what, what we begin to learn, come with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, is that in underneath these two again, broad terms, we begin to learn that we have some, we have really, we're made up of three parts. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. We're made up of A spirit, and we're made up of a soul, and then we have a body, okay? Now, Dad does three circles. I don't do three circles, all right? And I'll show you what I do here in just a minute, okay? 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, but the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. You see that word, holy, W-H-O-L-A. That's the whole of you. It isn't holy, H-O-L-Y. It's the whole of you. And I pray, God, your whole spirit, in case you didn't understand what holy is, whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The makeup of humanity. When God created man, Genesis 2, verse 7, he forms you out of the dust of the ground, of the dust of the earth, the lower parts of the earth. There's your body. He... He breathes the breath of life. There's your soul. um, There's your spirit, sorry. And man became a what? A living soul. So you've got this makeup here. And your inner man is going to be your spirit and your soul. And your outer man is your body, this thing. The body is going to carry around. Come over to Hebrews chapter 4. The body is going to carry around your inner man. That's why it's outer man. By the way, what's the outer man going to do today in the age of grace? It's going to get, it's going to perish. It's going to get, you're, you're going to get sick. You're going to die. Oh, happy, happy, happy. Woo-hoo-hoo. Why? Because it isn't, the, your outer man isn't the issue. The issue is your inner man. The issue is what God's doing inside of you. The issue, look over at Philippians 4, or uh, Philippians 3. Hold on to Hebrews 4. Philippians 2, Philippians 2 verse 13, Philippians 2 verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Where does he work? He works in you. He's not working on you. He's working in you. So it comes inside to your inner man and your soul, and then you've got your body. And there's a reason for that, and and we're going to get into that this morning here. Okay. Look at Hebrews 4. And look at verse number 12. Remember, we started by what saith the Scripture. and Hebrews 4.12, here's why. Here's why we say that. Why this isn't Rick. This is what the Word of God says. 4.12, for the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, that's wonderful, isn't it? People say, quick, it's alive. Yes, it's alive, but it's what? It's quick. It's move, boom, boom, boom. I was watching the NASCAR race last night looking for Fontana, but they're in a snow delay or a rain delay or whatever. So they were replaying last week's Daytona 500, which I missed the end of it. I got to see pieces of it. And you know what? Those guys are moving quick, quick. The word is designed to work quickly. It shouldn't take 20 years. It should work quickly. Why? Because it effectually worketh in you that believe. But notice, it's powerful, it's sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit. The only thing that can divide up you, your soul and your spirit, is the Word of God. You can't. Jeremiah says, Your heart is what? Remember? Deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? You can't even know your own heart. Yes, I do. I know my. No, you don't. See? Who knows your heart? the word of god does it divides up it pierces and of the joints and marrow well what's that that's your body so what and i love this is a discerner of the thoughts and intent of the heart because we're going what reads your meter every time you read it the word of god does and when you come to the word of god with an agenda it exposes that agenda if you want verses that's, that you, if you if your agenda is to teach that you can lose your salvation, there are verses in that book that'll help you teach that. But at the same token, there are verses that will teach you don't lose your salvation. So now you're in a quandary, because which ones do I believe? See? Why? Because the responsibility lies on you. My final authority is the word, which now which one am I going to believe? Follow what's going on. The Word of God discerns. It comes in, and it cuts. And it's critical here. The only way to actually understand what's going on in you is to understand what this Word says about you. Modern-day psychology can't hold a— they don't even show up in the same room as the Word of God. You want to understand human nature? Go read the King's. Go look at them. Read what 1 and 2 Samuel and 1 and 2 Kings talk about when they talk about the kings and how they think and how they do things. And you see it. Better yet, go read Genesis 3. What did Eve say? The devil made me do it. What did Adam say? The woman you gave me made me do it. What's that called? Passing the buck. What does man do? Passes that buck. That's why they don't like to retain God in their knowledge. Why? Because God says, you're going to stand in judgment one day, and you're going to be held accountable for your actions. It's called volition. Volition is more than free will, by the way. Okay? We all have volition. We all have free will, the the ability to make choices and to do. Volition says, you've got that, but you're going to be held accountable for it. See, free will, to say, you know, I could have got up this morning and wore my brown suit. But I decided to wear my blue suit. Okay? That's no way. But if I get up and I decide, you know what, there is no God. I don't believe in God. And now I'm going to be held accountable for that. By the way, I would have been held accountable for wearing the brown suit, too. She, her name is Linda. Okay? All right? But that's what volition is. Volition is more than just free will it. You choose. Volition is you choose, and you're going to be held accountable responsibility you're in hebrews 4 come back to first corinthians 2 so i just want to throw up on the board throw up throw put up on the board here i'm not sick well maybe i am i don't know <laughs> look at first corinthians 2 human you know why human viewpoint can't fix our problems my dad always said, Talk, if talking about your problems fixed your problems, we would have no problems. That's human viewpoint, by the way. You know why human viewpoint can't do it? It doesn't understand you. It doesn't understand how God created you, how he made you to function and think. He does not they, they don't understand how these three work together. They don't even identify that these two are separate entities. They put them together in their, in their literature. I read. I know what they say. I've got counseling books that deal, and you know what they do? They actually put all that to one and make it one. It's crazy. What's the Word of God say? 1 Corinthians 2. Notice something here. Let's understand our makeup. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. But as it is written, eye hath not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. You see that? The three ways you know stuff. Your eye gate, your ear gate, and your heart. That's how you know things. You see it, you perceive it, you hear it, you take it in, you digest it, and in your heart, you believe it. You can't in your own on your own understand what God has prepared for them that love Him. But look at verse 10. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So if I want to understand what God has prepared for them, from the, that love him what who do i have to have i have to have a spirit how do i get a spirit i trust that christ died for my sins was buried and rose again the third day i hear the gospel of my salvation ephesians 1 13 and then what happens i'm baptized i'm 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 sealed with the spirit the spirit comes in the spirit i just love this stuff don't you the spirit comes into your life and it's a little acronym called cribs why because as a newborn believer, you're a baby. What does he do? He comes in and he circumcises you. He cuts, you, he cuts your flesh. He, he circumcises Colossians 2. We're going to get over there hopefully today. And you'll see he, circum, he, he circumcises you. Circumcision means the cutting away. He cuts you away from the bondage of this body of flesh, of sin. He regenerates you. He brings that dead spirit and he makes it alive. He then indwells you. He comes in and he takes residence. Resident inside of you is the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. They're resident in you. They live in you. Then he baptizes you. Baptism, identity, identify. That's what it is. That's all baptism is. Matthew 3, there's three baptisms in one verse. Matthew three eleven. John says, I baptize you with water. I'm going to identify you with water. Why? Because that's what the priesthood required. What is Israel to be? The royal priesthood. What do they need to be? They need to be water baptized. So they need to be identified as the royal priesthood. But then he says, there's coming one behind me that's going to baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. Woo. That's identify you by what? Identify you with the Holy Ghost. Here's the believing remnant. And then identify the apostate nation with fire and turmoil. You see, baptism isn't always water, you know. Religion teaches us it's not. It means identification. And you're going to, so he identifies you by one spirit. Are we all baptized into one body? That's the mechanics of how you get into Christ. And then he seals you. Now, none of that's on the books today, on on the record today, okay? That's what he does. But what do I need? If I'm going to understand the word of God, and I'm going to understand what God's doing today today, You know what I need? i got to have the Spirit, His Spirit. I get that by, by, by trusting the gospel, by believing that Christ died for my sins, He was buried, He rose again the third day, and that activity, He is the propitiation. He is the fully satisfying payment. The moment I do, He goes to work. You don't feel this? Colossians 2 calls it the operation of God. He cuts you open, spiritually speaking, and He goes to work. And when he does that, and then I get into his word, and you know what I begin to do? Verse ten, I get begin to understand that there's things been revealed. Okay, now watch verse eleven. Now watch this: For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man, but the spirit of God. Now think about that. How do you understand a word I'm saying this morning? Because we're what? We're all humanity. We're all man. Because I have a spirit of a man, and you have a spirit of a man. We're human, so we can interact. Where do we interact it? We interact right here. We interact on a spiritual level here. That's where it first comes in. Then he says, verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of this world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. So how how does God going to communicate? John 4 says that God is a... Spirit. How does God communicate with you? With the Spirit. By the way, He's done that since Adam. Even in Israel's program, He communicated them in the Spirit. Now, He does physical intervene and do things, but it's always to back up what He just preached to them from His Word. Luke 8 says that the Lord was preaching and showing the things pertaining to the kingdom. He would come in and preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Then he'd come over here and heal some people and that healing backed up the message. Hello? Okay? See, he is here. That's where God communicates. So then that's where you and I communicate. So the spirit is where we're going to communicate with God. There's a there's a communication there. And we have to have the Holy Spirit. So l- 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 go back with me to first Corinthians. Well you're in two, so just sit here. Let's think about this. Your spirit. We did a whole 14 or 16 week study on this back a few years ago. So I'm trying to get all of that down real quickly here. Look, you got 2 Corinthians. Look with me at Ephesians 4. Just hold on to 2nd, uh, to, to 1 Corinthians, sorry. Hold on to 1 Corinthians. And look at Ephesians 4, verse 23. Your spirit is where you're going to communicate with God. Your soul is you. Your body is the vehicle that totes all of that. That's this stuff. It's called the body of flesh, also called the body of sin, <laughs> and a bunch of other nice little things. But look at Ephesians 4:23. But be and what and and that ye put on, um, verse 23. And be renewed. Notice in the spirit of your what. So in your spirit, that's where your mind is. That's your thinking. Your spirit, your your thinking. Come back there to 1 Corinthians 2. Look at verse 11. For what man knoweth the things of a man? How do I know things? I have a mind, don't I? I have a thinking process. In your spirit, you have a mind. You have vocabulary. That sits in your thinking. You have um, memories. You know the song, memories pressed between the pages of my mind. That's where you're at. You have vocabulary. You have thinking. You have memory. That's what's going on in you. Now you, your real soul, you have a heart. Come over to Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6. Might as well, yeah, Romans 6. Romans 6. Romans 6 and verse 17. In your soul, your heart is the mentality center, it's the thinking center for your soul. You have a will, you have a conscience. And you have emotions. Okay? Romans 6, 17. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sins. But but ye have, now watch, obeyed from the what? The heart, that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Come over to chapter 10. Everybody knows this verse, 10, 10. For with the heart man believed unto righteousness, Right, So what, what's happening here? You have a heart. You have a mind. You have the Word of God sit up here, outside of you, by the way. It, he's going to direct it into your spirit, into your mind. We say, read three chapters a day. What are you doing? You're putting the Word of God into your mind. It's not in here yet. It's here. You're putting it into your mind. You take Romans to Philemon, and you read it three times. Three chapters a day, 12 months you'll be it, you'll read it 12 times. And it begins to alter your vocabulary, your thinking processes. It begins to manipulate, it begins to it, it begins to purify you. But that's here. Now what your heart does is your heart says, I want that. I want it. Me. The will says, Yeah, I want that too. And your, your by the way, your will, there's your volition. We're going to do that. That's what we're going to do. You with me? So the process here, the stepping, I get it here into my spirit. Why? That's where God communicates. God communicates me with the spirit level. Then my heart says, you know what? I want that. That's what I want. The will says, yep, that's what we're going to do. Make the decision. We're going to do it. The conscience and the emotions come in. Now, your emotions, you see the word motion? It tells your body it's time to go do the good works. It's time to go to work. Motion, activity, movement. Come over. I forgot where you're at, so what does it matter? Get Ephesians. It matters. Don't don't get me wrong. Get Ephesians three. Get Ephesians three. You see, your body, your your emotions, your conscience. By the way, you know what your conscience does? Romans two says your the conscience of the Gentiles accuse or excuse. Your conscience is the standard of norms that you've been taught by everybody that's come across your plate of existence. The biggest teachers in our lives are mom and dad. That's why moms and dads, if you've got children, the, that verse says, fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's dad's job to educate them. them savages, because that's what they are. It's dad's job to do that. It's dad's job to bring them with when they come and do. Why? Because that's the influence. That's where the standards are going to be. How how do you know it's not right to steal? I remember the first time I stole something, shoplift. Ooh, and my mom caught me. I didn't walk for a week. So guess what? I never did again. Why? Because my conscience if i looked at that candy bar and said oh, i could just take it nobody's looking my conscience says yeah you remember 1983 when you did that and your mom got you and you know I'm like yeah so i don't do it all right you know the influence the conscience building paul will say they have a defiled conscience they have a weak conscience defiled no truth weak just limited truth then he'll say i have a clear conscience full of truth <laughs> Ready to go. The conscience comes in and says, this activity isn't matching what we decided to do. That's that little inner voice that you hear in your head going, just do it or don't do it because these verses say, don't do that. Ephesians 3, look at verse 16. Notice how how God... That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. How does he strengthen the inner man? He takes his word, communicates it into our mind, moves it over into our heart, into our will, and then the execution happens of the doing. That's how that's designed to flow. But look at verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your what? By faith. What does he do? He brings it into our mind that Christ can come and do what? Dwell over here. You with me? By faith. Okay? That's how we're designed to work. That's how we're designed to function. That's the makeup that we have. The heart, the mental the mental capacity of your inner man, of your soul. Come over, you're in Ephesians. Look in chapter 2, just real quick, 2.10, 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's our good works. How did I get to that? I have the word communicated to me. I believe it. I move it from my, the pages of my mind into the decision-making of my soul, of me. I want this to be my what my life looks like, and then I move it over. The connector between spirit and soul is the mind, the thinking. The connector between the soul and the body is that emotion. Because our body, we have five senses, don't we? Don't we have systems that run in our body? Skeletor, vascular, respiratory, you know them, Okay. But did you know that your body also has emotions, the tear ducts when they cry? You ever get punched in the stomach by somebody? Not literally, but just figuratively something happened, just went, oh, that's happening here. By the way, you know your emotions are stupid. They're dumb. Your emotions, (laughs) that's, again, the connection to the body. They're responding to what the heart and the will has decided to do. They're not the ones in charge. You understand that. I watched a movie the other night. Couldn't sleep. One minute, I'm like, get them. Get them. Get them. It's a movie. But what happens? You get into it, don't you? you? You look over there and you go, oh, you know will she die oh, 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 oh she didn't Brew-hoo! you know crying one moment rejoicing the next that's emotions that's their emotions are responders you've got fear that's an emotion fear is a motivating emotion by the way anger is too you know fear what do you do fight or flight right What are you going to do? Boom, anger. Something makes you angry, and you're going to fix it, or you're not. Anger, by the way, fear and anger work together, come together. And usually, if if you're angry, that's just fear in disguise a lot of time. You've got sadness. You've got disgust. You've got joy, tranquility, peace, all those emotions that are there. You're in Ephesians. Look over at chapter 4. Chapter 4. Just look at chapter 4. And look at verse 17. Because here's the lost. 417. See if I can use a different color here. 417. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their, what? Mind. See that issue of vanity. That's the lost. Emptiness, nothing there, vain. That song, he's so vain, she's so vain. There's nothing there. There's no no substance to it. Having the understanding darkened. Look at that, darkened. the, the, The lost, their spirit is dead. Their soul is dark. Nothing's able to penetrate in there. from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their, see that heart? There's the heart. Blind. Dark. Verse 19, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness with greedy. There's the depravity of man. By the way, you know how Satan works? God works spirit, soul, and body. You know what Satan works? Body, soul, and spirit. It's clear in James. 3. Devilish. So then what happens? When we get in the funk of going here, here, then we ought to be able to say what? Hold on a minute. That's not how God wanted this to work. And let's get the roles reversed and work it backwards. You're in a... Ephesians 4, look at chapter 2 of Ephesians again, verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Isn't that interesting? For the believer, we are quickened. We're alive, don't you know? Woo-hoo. We're able to communicate. You go over to 2 Corinthians 4, and the light, uh, look over there, 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 3 But if our gospel be hid it is hid to them that are lost and whom the god of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not See how he says blinded the minds of them why because that's the entrance point The entrance point sits you ever wonder why Paul would say that the peace of God would keep your hearts and minds because you got two pieces going on there Can you even understand that I hope anyway okay If you're joining us online you got to start from the beginning Okay In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. When you heard the gospel, what was shining in unto you? Light. The gospel, the glorious light, he comes, shines in. And you know what you are? You're no longer blind. Now you got the light. Not only are you alive, but you got light shining in on you. Colossians 2. Colossians 2. Verse 11, Colossians two eleven. "...in whom ye also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together unto him, having forgiven you all trespasses. What did he do? He took that off and he says, I'm going to liberate you. And we have liberty now to use this body of flesh to go and serve and to do, Ephesians 2:10 the good works that we're supposed to be doing. Come over to Romans 6. Romans six, verse thirteen. Romans six, thirteen. Romans six, verse thirteen verse 11 likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sins but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord that operation of God when he comes in spiritually and he makes you alive and he gives you light into your inner man and he's going to cut you away and give you a new identity verses 3 and 4 and who you are in Christ and that operation goes he says then verse 13 or verse 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lust thereof. you have a you have a choice in the matter now. Before you were saved, you had no choice. The depravity was running you. You'd get in behind whatever you, your flesh lust is after, and that's what you would go do. By the way, religion just fulfills the lust of your flesh. It's what it does. He says, hey, I liberated you. I gave you an identity. Verse 13, neither yield you your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You see that thing about yield you your members? That's this bad boy. That's your body. But yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. You have a choice in the matter. You can come over here, and you can take the Word of God into your thinking, into your thinking process, and you can say, you know what? That's what I'm going to do. And you can come over here into your body, and it's glorious and fearfully and wonderfully made scenario, and you can go and do what the verses are telling you to do. You make the choice, though. God doesn't say, do it or else. Why? I'm already blessed with all spiritual blessings. I learned that over here. See? I learned I'm complete in Christ. I learned that I have the exceeding riches of his grace given to me. I'm not trying to do anything to get. I'm just trying to do something that's in line with who I am. Follow me? Follow Okay? So here you are. This is what I do. Here you are. There's me. Here's my body. Come over to 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2. My spirit, here's my mind. Here's my soul. The real you, okay? Your heart, your will, your emotions, your conscience. And here's the body. It's a fat guy, because the Lord loves fat, so... We're there. So here we got our body. The vehicle. Here I am today. I have the word of God on one side, and I have human viewpoint on the other. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye receive the word, I receive it in, Okay, You received it not as the word of man, but as it is in truth, the word of God. What did I do? I received the word in, didn't I? Now finish that verse. The word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You see the flow? What's it going to go do? It's going to go work, isn't it? So in my inner man... My spirit, my soul. By the way, you can't see your soul and spirit. So you can't share that with anybody. You can share your body all day long with people. Marriage, you share. Transplants, you share. You can share this bad boy all day long. Okay? But your inner man, you can't. When you die, if you're in the Lord, absent from the body, present with the Lord. What went there? Your spirit and your soul. Ecclesiastes, the spirit goes back to God. Where'd you go? I went back to God. When a lost person dies, their body goes in the grave, their soul goes into hell, their spirit goes back to God. Where it goes, who it belongs to. Why? Because for the lost, there's no more trying to communicate with God. <laughs> they don't need that spirit. It's gone. You know, I heard a guy one time. Oh, me and my boys, we're gonna storm Normandy again. We're gonna take hell over with. I'm like, you ain't gonna do nothing. You're not even gonna realize it. What do I do? I take it in, okay? Now, what is Ephesians 3, 16? He's going to strengthen our inner man by the Spirit, right? So we're going to do this quickly, and we're going to get down to this next week in depth because I am not going past noon, (laughs) okay? The uh, nursery ladies have warned me, all right? Our lady has warned me, all right? I limp. I still limp today. Okay. Think about this. Ephesians 3:16. By the Spirit, He's going to strengthen our inner man. I take in the Word of God, rightly divided. What does Paul say? 2 Timothy 2:15. 2, Study to show thyself approved. See that thyself approved, unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. By the way, workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Doing what? Rightly dividing the Word of truth so we take the word of truth we rightly divide it we give Israel Israel and we keep ours ours right basic scenario so I move I take that and I move it to my mind I got those verses flowing all right circumcision availeth nothing nor uncircumcision what what's important the new man the new creature therefore if any man be in Christ he is a new creature Behold, all old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what I'm talking about. I build that into here. I say, you know what? I'm going to believe that. I'm believing that's what God's doing today. So I build an edifice, a structure in my inner man. I build a building. Maybe you don't like that building. I'm building an edifice. A structure of what? Sound doctrine. So I got sound doctrine. My foundation is the cross of Christ, the issues of grace, right? You know that God wants no wimpy believers? He wants strong believers. By the way, being wimpy doesn't mean you don't know nothing. Being Being strong means you have something in there. That's what we're gonna talk about next week, okay? What do I do? I build it in, whatever it is, whatever the doctrine. I have a file cabinet going on. Pick however, you need to figure it into your mind. Then I got human viewpoint, and what is yeah, you can't avoid it. Is right, human viewpoints everywhere. They take the truth of God and turn it into a lie. How? Saying that you worship the creature more than the creator, Romans one twenty-five. So you're building in here, you're building in the sound doctrine of Romans to Philemon, and then all of a sudden somebody comes out with some fancy little feel-good statement over here, motivational statement that's human viewpoint-driven, makes you feel good. By the way, how does the how does the devil work? We make you feel good, don't we? We go from here to here to here. That's what human viewpoint's doing. So it comes in. You say, okay, I like that motivational speaking stuff. Cool. Boom. I've read it. I understand what it does. I like it, too. I do a little John Maxwell every now and then, you know, just to get over the hump. I get it. I don't need it, but it's interesting. makes you pay attention sometimes. What does this say? Uh, That's fine. It's good stuff. I don't need it, though. I've got this down here, who I am in Christ. So then when I tell my body, let's go do something, and the circumstances of life are good, bad, or indifferent, doesn't matter, how does this then respond to that? Because this has said we're doing that based on this. If you come this way, it's going to end up, bad, actually Romans 8 says it ends up in death when you walk after the flesh. You follow that? So God says, here's how you work. You are a tri-being person. Three pieces belong to you, make you up. Your spirit and your soul, inner man. Your outer man, the body, the vehicle. By the way, your body is how you get into contact with your environment around you. That's why when we go to the heavenly places we need a new body. That's why you are a new creature. why I'm human it's a new species of humanity. Do you ever wonder why the aliens always look like humans two legs two arms and about 10 you know ten fingers and a couple heads or whatever you know you ever wonder why they're plagiarizing the, 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 the adversarial system out there the course of this world's got you scared of aliens. Why? Because one day you're going to be one. You're going to be an alien. You're not not of this earth. You're up there. So up heaven, alien's bad. Earth, good. Well, that's what the adversary wants done today. That's how you're made up. Circumstances of life, that's how they're going to flow. Come on over to Galatians 2. That's how you're developed. That's the psyche of you. That's the psychology of you. So if I want to fix something <laughs> that's going on in life, where do I go? I go to the Word of God, rightly divided. That's where I start. And I begin to look at things, and, and I begin to remember. Remember last hour, we were talking about Paul there in 2 Corinthians 12, because he says that in Romans 15 about praying for him. And the prayer, the, God answered his prayer, but just not the way Paul was anticipating it to be answered. And God reminds him of my grace is sufficient. Hey, dummy, you don't need anything else but my grace. And the problem that you're facing, the messenger of Satan right there, I paid for at Calvary. That is a, re, that's a smack in the back of the head, the denozo slap from NCIS, if you know what that show is, of wake up and remember who you are. You know, Paul's over here. He's got a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan. You know, from the context, it seems to be people. That's fine, whatever you want to say it is. And he's begging God to help him with it. God doesn't remove it. Again, the way Paul would, you know, zap him, Lord. 30 second parenthesis, please. You know, no. He says, Listen, you need to understand who you are. Remember that. My grace is sufficient. And in your weakness, my strength, I'm made perfect here. So then what does Paul do in that verse 9? Instantly, most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in my infirmities. What are you nuts? You are when you understand the process and where you should be thinking. That's why in Philippians he'll say, I've learned in whatever state to be therewith to be what? Content. I've been instructed both to abound and to be abased. I don't need, you know, life. the circumstances of life are not the issue. The issue is how you respond to them. Galatians 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Wow. The law, perform, do. You ain't doing enough. Then what did you just say? Calvary was not enough. That's how you frustrate grace, by the way. That's what kills grace, by the way, is the law, legalism. I'll focus on verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Crucified. Romans 6. I am no longer slave to this body of sin. I've been set free. Nevertheless, I live. Yet, you know what, though? I live here in the flesh. That's what he's going to (laughs) say. Yet not I, but Christ, and the life which I now live in the flesh. I still live here. He left me here. But I'm not enslaved to this. Christ is going to. Not I, uh, uh, I'm crucified with Christ, yet lest I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. You know where Christ lives? He lives in my spirit and my soul right here. He comes and dwells in my heart, Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. When you dwell, you come home. You're, you're in your dwelling. And then he says, and the flesh that I, li- I live by the faith of. So think about this. I'm crucified. There's your body. I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. There's your spirit and your soul. The life I live now in the flesh, there's there's the soul in the body. I live by the faith, back to the soul. That's where your faith is. But you know where it all starts with? Life in Christ. I'm living his life, and his life is living out through me. As I take in the Word of God and I put it into my mind, into my vocabulary, into my thinking processes, and then I move it down and my heart says, that's what I want. I want to do that. I don't want to do anything else. And the will comes in and says, that's what we're going to do. It's decided. It's done. And you come over emotions, tell the body it's time to get moving and we're going to go do this and we're going to go do that. And your conscience says, you know what, that's a good thing, so let's just watch and see if your body doesn't take over. And the next thing you know, you're over there doing what you're supposed to be doing, and your conscience says, boy." Next week, you're doing this, you think you're doing the same thing, and your conscience says, nope, you just violated the verse. <laughs> oh, okay, now what do I do? I back up and see where the violation happened, just don't repeat it. Work it through. Folks, you need to remember how you were created to function. This is how you're created to function. Kind of squirrely. Can't read it now, but that's how you're. Do- you were given a spirit and a soul and a body. The spirit. You ever wonder why man worships, likes to worship, whether it's the ball teams or you know what? A- it's because that's where God put worship at in man, is in the spirit. Built it into. Why? Because you have this God conscience. Romans one. It's there. You just got to get the right information into it. You get the right information into it, then you can go and do. And when you stub your toe, because we do, then you just pick up and you just say, okay, I did. And by the grace of God, he died for that because he paid for all those sins. He paid for all. I love that thing there, having forgiven you all trespasses. He knew you were going to mess up. So he took care of it. He says, it's done. It's done. And when he says, My grace is sufficient, everything was covered at Calvary. He did it all. And that's what we got to learn. That's what we got to remind ourselves, put into our memory banks. So as we're resetting this, the reset of it is this is how we're designed to function. This is how we're designed to work this out. We take the word of God, we read it, you listen to it. When I when I hike and I do my thing, I listen to uh, Alexander Scorby on the Bible. On my, I think, you know, somebody "What are you listening to?" I said, "Oh, it's great. You ought to." Look. Ooh, what is that? I'm like, "Yeah, okay." By the way, they leave you alone real quick. Okay, you put it in there. Why? Because then it works out. Okay. All right, Heavenly Father? We thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word, and Lord, we thank you for the how we're created and we're able to understand it, able to see it able to work through it in our thinking, and able to believe it. For your for your honor, for your glory, we do this. Not for us. You've, you've blessed us with everything, with all. We do this now because you have blessed us to bring you honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Let's stand.